Thank you for tuning in to Avant Life's weekly podcast. We hope this message inspires you, stirs your faith, and leaves you blessed. Pastor Matt mentioned this earlier, but today marks a really significant and important and beautiful and celebratory day for us as a church as we launch two brand new campuses, one in Squamish and one in Surrey. How crazy is that? I mean, it's important to recognize, to take a moment, because we just believe that God's going to continue to do incredible things. Things are far beyond our imagination or even expectation. But it's important to recognize in important moments like this that, that we don't actually get a second genesis at things like this. So when we get into the season of campus planting and being able to celebrate what God is doing, there's something about celebrating what he's doing that anticipates and stirs our faith for what is yet to come. And what I'm believing and what we're believing as a church is that God's not done yet. And that God is on the move. But it's worth celebrating. Like, who does two campuses at the same day? That's crazy. Like, right now marks, I guess if you want to count this as the fourth service, because Surrey is still going. The fourth service of Avant Life on a Sunday. And that's going to be the new norm as we move forward. And all that it's been, has been as a church, we've been committed to taking steps of faith. To create space for God to fill the gap. Do what only he can do. I mean, there's this beautiful tension when it comes to following Jesus and being a part of the kingdom work that he's invited us to, where our Heavenly Father does not need us, yet wants us to be a part of the work. There's this beautiful tension, and it's a tension because we recognize that it's him that does the heavy lifting. It is not our preaching or our efforts that actually heals hearts, reconciles, forgives, brings space for unity, offers peace, hope, and life. That's only in and through Christ and his sacrifice that people are able to experience that. But how beautiful is it that our Father cares so deeply about us that he invites us to be a part of the family business. And this is important because the business that we're up to, the business that we're invited to be a part of, isn't a business or a call or an invitation just to build another social club. In fact, the church is not just simply another not-for-profit organization, a charitable association. We are far deeper, and the call to what we're doing is far more meaningful than just that. Yes, we're going to engage with community. We're going to stand to be a beacon of hope and life. And we better do our job in engaging with the cities that God has placed us to. But it's much deeper than that. Because the work of God and His Spirit is not just to make bad people good, but dead people alive. Inherently in the message and hope that Jesus offers, there's something more that cannot just simply stay here. So why is it that a church in North Vancouver would take the step of faith of taking on yet another building that requires hours of work just to set up to get people in the room? Because we're about creating space for people to encounter that heart transformation. If it's just bad people turning good, maybe it's not worth it. But it's, if it's about dead people turning alive, it's all the worth. And so we put our energy, we steward our resources, recognizing, however, it's God and his spirit that does the deep work. There's a story of a businessman that's staying at a hotel late night before uh, his important business pitch the next morning. And so as he's lying in his hotel room trying to fall asleep, it's about 11 at night, he begins to hear this ruckus outside the room. And he's turning over, covering his ears with the pillow, doing whatever he can to block out the noise, wherever it's coming from, whatever it is that's causing it. But after a few minutes, he realizes there's no way this is going to happen. He's not going to be able to fall asleep, and he needs a clear mind to go into the pitch tomorrow morning. And so he decides to get dressed and follow this ruckus and this noise outside to wherever it is coming from. 
And to his surprise, he's led to the hotel lobby where there, in fact, lies a beautiful grand piano. And as he turns the corner, he sees this little girl playing the piano absolutely horribly. Not like our man, Biz. (laughs) Beautiful. Like, what is that? Magic. Um, Not like Biz. Just all the wrong notes, right? No sense of key signature, cadence, rhythm, melody, nothing right about it. And so he's torn, though. There's this beautiful moment where this little girl's playing the piano so innocently with such joy. But he goes, nah, I got, a, I got this important meeting tomorrow. I have to make sure I get a good night's rest. And so as he kind of gains the courage and stirs up the words in his mind to go approach this little girl, he turns the corner more only to see the scene expanded with this little girl's father sitting beside her at the piano bench. Now the man is torn again. Now not only is it him interrupting a beautiful moment for the little girl, it's a beautiful moment shared from a father and a daughter. He's like, no, 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 i got to get to sleep. But before he can take another step, this father who's looking upon his daughter with such pride and joy, with a big grin on his face, he begins to play in the gaps between his little daughter's wrong notes. And all of a sudden, this beautiful melody begins to arise out of this grand piano. The symphony arises. Things begin to make sense. Music is created. The next morning, this businessman found out that, in fact, that man was a famous composer. He was in town for a concert, and, in fact, it was his little daughter that was playing the piano, although horribly. And all that the father wanted his daughter to see was the kind of joy that he had when he was doing his work. And although the little daughter didn't come close to the kind of work that came out of the piano, he just wanted his daughter to be a part of his business, to see what it was like to create music in that way. And isn't this so much like the work of God in his kingdom and the work he's inviting us to be a part of? We, as his sons and daughters, at our best, in our obedience, in our striving, we play all the wrong notes. But as God's spirit begins to fill in the gaps, a beautiful melody arises and the church of God is built. And that church is what the gates of hell will not prevail against. And if this is true, right, what scripture teaches, that the gates of hell will not prevail. If gates are inherently meant for defense, the church is meant for offense. There's a sense of invading light of darkness, hope into despair. This is the kind of kingdom work God has invited us to be a part of. And what scripture teaches over and over again, it's filled with ordinary men and women of faith doing extraordinary things with the extraordinary God, partnering with him and his spirit to build the church. And what's incredible is that God's plan A to change the world has always been in and through his church. And he doesn't have a plan B. And the more you've been around church, perhaps you're new tonight. I'm just so thankful that you decided to join. But if you're newer to church, know this. The longer you're a part of church, the more you'll realize the church is just filled with imperfect people just like yourself. In fact, I've heard it said before that the church ought to be a hospital for the broken, not a museum for the perfect. And that's so true. The song that we ended with, this idea that grace has found us just as we are empty-handed but alive in his presence. This is the testimony of every follower of Jesus, that when we were not enough, Jesus made a way so that him and I, you and him, may have communion with him, life with him, and life to the fullest that's found. So as a church, today we became one house with three rooms, hoping for many more, all in the hopes of just creating more space for God to fill in the gaps. 
the 5 p.m. service, the one that you're a part of, the people tuning in online, everything that we've made possible with the resources that God has given us is simply about creating space for God to do what only he can do. I love that, that this church has always been about creating space for faith. And to create actually requires some sort of intentionality, right? It requires us to actually take action steps, to go into the things unseen, uncharted, with an idea that we serve a God who's able to do immeasurably more than we can hope for or imagine. You know, when given the option to worship the enemy when Jesus is tempted in the wilderness, Jesus makes a powerful and profound statement to him. He says in response to the temptation of the devil, he says, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And as a church, we've taught and spoken through that passage of scripture in the past. But the statement is actually incredibly profound. Because the opportunity set before Jesus was actually a test designed to challenge him on what was more important. The commissioned outcome of dominion over the world or devoted obedience to the Father. In other words, it was the world's way or the Father's way. For many of us, it's this idea of our way or his way. How and why faith is activated is actually the defining component of that very faith. How it will operate, how it will be sustained. And Jesus here during his testing in the wilderness gives us great insight to what should be the very foundation of our lives. A very constant reminder of our core reason for living. He says that we are to worship God and God alone. And that the application of this truth is only truly achieved through faith. It is impossible and therefore it should be the key motivation of our faith as we seek to bring our lives as a living sacrifice before him. And in fact, this is our true and proper worship. This is how Romans chapter 12 reads. It says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, this is Paul the apostle writing to the church in Rome. In view of God's mercy, in other words, in view of all that God's done, Christ's sacrifice on the cross, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. In other words, what the Apostle Paul is trying to encourage the church in Rome then and the church today is perhaps God is actually more concerned with who you're becoming and the posture that you carry. See, in the kingdom of God, the heart matters. And the call to worship is not just about lip service on a weekend or a nice song that Hillsong re releases. Or what's the new thing? Up the, the Maverick City. Those guys are the... Can't keep up. Very cool name, though. What does it mean? No one knows. Is Maverick a city? No. No. Maybe somewhere. I just think of the basketball team. I'm getting distracted. 5 p.m. Here we go. But it's more... It's more than just paying lip service. Worship, when it comes to the kingdom of God, is actually living a heart fully surrendered to God and his kingdom for his plans, for his purposes. There's far more than just attending weekend events and group functions. And this is incredibly hopeful. This is good news. Because I'd way rather be a part of the life-changing kingdom work than just be really good at attending church. And as we take steps forward as a church, the question I want us to wrestle with today is, how do we live constantly creating space for faith as an act of worship and servitude to the Lord? What does it look like to offer our lives holy and pleasing to God? Again, in response to God's great mercy, his sacrifice 
on the cross. I've heard it said before that in some ways Christianity is in fact not an action but a reaction. In other words, a response to all that God is and all that he's done. And the reality is, is when you experience the radical love and life-changing grace of God, you cannot help but want to do everything to follow him and to see the renewal of all things, not just in your life, but the spheres of influence that he's placed you in. God is in the business of renewing all things. And he's invited us, his children, into the family business. So to answer this question, how do we continuously create space? Because again, there's intention required behind it. I want to look at uh, a longer passage of text than perhaps some of us are used to in church. It's about 16 verses, but I just believe you guys can do it. 5 p.m. Because you guys are smart. Turn them to 10. No, I'm kidding. Um, 16 verses. 16 chapters? No. 16 verses. I got all my Bible reading in for the year. Uh, 16 verses in chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews. I'm going to read it in my best reading voice, okay? I was a little ESL in the 10 a.m. There was a word that really caught me up. Evidence. I said evidence. It was very rough. I told everyone I was ESL and they laughed even more, which is like not super encouraging. All right, verse 1, 5 p.m., let's go. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Nailed it. Um, For by it, the elders... Oh, 5 p.m. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which were seen were not made of the things which are visible. In verse 4, it says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. Then by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. I love that. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear. Prepared an art for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Then by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundation, whose builder and maker is God. It was by faith that Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, when when it didn't make sense anymore, because she was judged faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky and multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them from afar, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, 
they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. What I just read out is commonly referred to in the church as the Hall of Faith. You guys get it? Hall of Fame, Hall of Faith. And the idea is to look at men and women of the faith, heroes of the faith, that lived lives of true worship and servitude to God, that took radical steps of obedience and faith, even when it didn't make sense, because God had called them to. Understanding that it was him who made a way before them. That if it was him that truly asked them to go, then he would surely be with them to the end of the age. Men and women, ordinary, that lived extraordinary lives because they chose to create faith and space for God to do the miraculous, to do immeasurably more. So what I want to do is actually look through these five characters that are shown through the last 11, 16 verses that I read. And I want to look at what it is that we can learn from them in order that we, you and I, today, 2,000 years later, can actually continue to walk out living lives of worship and creating space for faith in the same way the early church did. Starting in the very first verse of chapter 11, we can see that first, faith actually anticipates the future. It does not place its reliance on what is merely visible to our physical sight. It is the substance of things hoped for. In other words, these faithful characters arrayed in chapter 11 had an acute understanding and a sensitivity that God was always up to something. That there was a realm, the things unseen, that he was inviting us to be a part of. There was hope and optimism, not just when the circumstances and the situations looked good, but because of the God that they were serving in it. That's a really, really important detail, isn't it? Because all these five people, if you read throughout scripture, they were not perfect. They stumbled often. They wrestled with doubt like all of us. But they chose to take steps of faith. Because they anticipated the future. Even when the situation before them seemed bare and desolate. The hope they were anchored in was the hope that God would continue to be faithful. That God was always up to something. That even though they weren't there to see it, that God was building his kingdom. That the legacy they were a part of and willing to serve to would outlive them. And perhaps they would not see everything that was promised, but they got to play a part in the story that God was writing. They anticipated the future. The second thing that we learn is that faith actually evaluates the present. These people recognize that there's more things at play, that in fact there was a spiritual battle going on. That there was a way that the church and followers of Jesus were called to engage with culture in a way to redeem and see the renewal of all things, to bring hope into desolate and dis- desperate situations. Prior to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, the scripture actually makes several references to creation in previous chapters. And now it actually returns to this theme of creation in order to emphasize faith's ability to discern God's majestic power in the created order. And what we see next is actually five characters found in the scriptures that actually highlight and reveal the kind of life you and I are invited to, to be a part of and to play. 
Hebrews 11 chapter 4 or chapter 11 verse 4 kicks off the examples of different faith heroes starting with the person and character of Abel. It says in verse 4 that by faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts and through it he being dead still speaks. Creating space for faith needs to be motivated by a pure heart. I'll say that again, creating space for faith needs to be motivated by a pure heart. Abel offered a pure heart as well as the best gift. Cain could not overcome the powerful tyrant of sin. And later Jesus testified to Abel's purity of heart, which is amazing and confirming of Abel's genuineness before the Lord. In other words, in the kingdom of God, the state and matter of your heart actually do speak to the posture of worship and faith that we carry. In other words, we can be caught up in doing in the activity of church and miss the point. And God would rather have your heart gripped by his love and grace than for you to get distracted and just be busy with church things. One of the most sneaky tactics of the enemy is just to keep the church busy without having our hearts transformed. He would love it. He would love it if we just became professional Christians and didn't actually live surrendered lives to God. He would love it. He would feel like he's winning. Because God cares about your heart. He cares about where it's coming from, your servitude and worship to him. See, who you are, not just what you do, matters to God in his kingdom. So is the outward offering of worship, money, and service, a genuine expression of our love and servitude and commitment to God? Or is it just a way for us to hide behind things so that we don't actually have to fully give our lives and hearts to God? Creating space for faith needs to be motivated by a pure heart. The second character is this person of Enoch. It says that by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. It was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those diligently seeking him. Creating space for faith needs to be birthed through complete reliance. Complete reliance. Like Enoch, if we wish to draw near to God, we must create space for our faith to give constant and consistent expression to two great facts about God. First, his existence. Second, his generosity. We must not believe just merely intellectually that he exists, for without that faith would be meaningless. Belief in his existence means commitment to his presence and involvement in every part of our lives. Have you come to the realization of how reliant on God you should be? Or do you and have you created backup plans and idols just in case this thing doesn't work out? Would you declare God to be the Lord and Savior of your life on your social media bio, but perhaps live still with the clenched fist, not willing to give up the things he's asked you to so that you may surrender and that he may work actually in and through you in all the ways according to his plans and purposes. Creating space for faith needs to be motivated by a pure heart, but it also needs to be birthed with complete reliance. No turning back. There's that powerful hymn. 
that cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. Enoch understood the reliance needed in this pursuit of Christ. The third character is this person of Noah. And if you grew up in the church, you'd be familiar with the story. And perhaps even if you grew up outside the church, you would be familiar with this idea of Noah and the ark. But it says in verse 7 that by faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Creating space for faith requires obedience to completion. Do you imagine if Noah just built the ark halfway? It'd be bad news for all the animals. Could you imagine, though? You know what this teaches us? You know what this teaches me? You know what challenges me on? This idea that, like, actually partial obedience reveals partial worship. That perhaps partial obedience is disobedience. That it actually reveals more about the state of my heart, the posture of my heart, than anything else. Creating space for faith requires obedience to completion. Abraham says, obeyed when he was called to go to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And that sounds great. Until, it says, he went out not knowing where he was going. That's a tough one. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. What we learn from the life of Abraham is actually that creating space for faith requires a responsive nature. In fact, the invitation to live a life of faith is an invitation to live a life of action. That there's a challenge for us as a church not to constantly be bystanders and consumers. But actually it's the more hopeful message that invites you to be active participants in the renewal of all things. It's good news that God is inviting you to be a part of what he's doing. It's hopeful news. You and I get to be a part of, be a front row witness to, miracles, lives changed, relationships healed. The renewal of all things. To see his will in heaven be done here on earth. How responsive are you to the things of God? Does worshiping and serving God get you excited? Last but not least, through the person of Sarah. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. From the life of Sarah, we learn that creating space for faith believes in the impossible. Abraham's dependence on God is actually linked here with the faith of his wife, Sarah, who after an initial expression of doubt, believes in the reliability of a God who not only keeps promises, but works miracles. And again, what I love about these stories, like Sarah had a point of doubt. But then she learned maybe if anyone was to do the impossible, it would be the miraculous God that she serves. If Sarah just relied on what her eyes could see, what science would say, what logic would dictate, then perhaps she would not create space to see God do the impossible and the miraculous. 
this is our inheritance to experience the miracle working nature of our God through faith. He fills in the gaps, does the heavy lifting, does the miracles as we do our best in obedience to create space for him to do what only he can do. I'm going to invite the team to come up as we get ready to close tonight. You see, when worship is at the center of our faith, when serving God is at the center of our faith, then the season of pain even we may find ourselves walking through now has a heavenly purpose. Or the trials and the testings we endure in different parts of our lives are now our heavenly training fields. Or the sacrifices seen and unseen that we make on this journey of faith are now heavenly investments. As we look at these different heroes of faith, it's so easy to put them almost in a category of superhuman. Right? Like, oh, but Peter, you're talking about great heroes of the faith. After all, that's why it's referred to the hall of faith. But scripture, these people, filled with ordinary people that served an extraordinary God, that recognized that the call and invitation was to live a life of faith that just created space, that it was about being active participants in the renewal of all things and building his kingdom, building his church. So as a church, as we stand today on a historic, important, celebratory day, we recognize that God is not finished yet, that he is on the move, and the invitation is to join him on the journey. God's plan A to change the world has always been through his church, and it doesn't have a plan B. The beautiful tension in the kingdom is our Father, who doesn't need us, wants us, and he invites us to play a part, you and I, as sons and daughters. And our obedience and in our best, our efforts may sound like all the wrong notes, but man, when his spirit is in partnership with our obedience, a beautiful melody arises and the kingdom of God is built. And that kingdom is designed and called to invade darkness with light, to invade despair with hope, to bring a new message of life and renewal, of reconciliation and redemption, that when there is no way that God would make a way. So we get excited and our faith is stirred, not just because we have the best new idea, but because God is always up to something and we get to play a part in that. So as a church, we recognize how important and beautiful this moment is for us. And our prayer is the same prayer that this church prayed three years ago. God, would your will be done here in the North Shore, now here in Squamish, now here in Surrey as it is in heaven? Would it be you that's lifted high? Would our communities, our life groups, our spheres of influences begin to be beacons of hope and light? Would there be a gospel gossip, like Matt says, that begins to spread throughout the city of Squamish, North Van, West Van, Surrey, that begins to perhaps awaken a curiosity where people begin to ask the question, there is something different about those people. Is there something that I'm missing? Would God love to move in that way? Absolutely. Would God love to see you and I as active participants in building his kingdom? Absolutely. Because every time I look to the word, it's of ordinary people who lived extraordinary lives because they served a miraculous working God. The God of the impossible. The God who's just clearly asking us to create space for faith. You and I get to be a part of that. Not because of what we've done. Not because we're good. Not because we've thought of the new thing. 
Not because we're more inventive and creative. Not because we're building our brand or our church or our ideas, our message, but because we carry the hope and life of Jesus. That it's actually the same power that raised Christ from the dead that lives in us, that we go by, that we carry the authority from. That when I call people into hope and life, it's not a life, an invitation to follow me, but to follow Christ. That by the way we live our lives, people would recognize and know there must be a better way. And perhaps it's in the person of Jesus. What an amazing work we get to be a part of. All of a sudden now, all the work we've just done to plant two campuses feels worth it, right? I'm like, let's do it again next week. Uh, Prince George. No, I'm kidding. We would never do Prince George. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. Who knows? Doesn't it destroy your faith? I know there's people in this room that have worked hours to just open the building in Squamish and Surrey today. If that was just to build our own brand and our own name, that would just so not be worth it. But because it's to see dead people come alive in him, lives transformed, marriages healed, families built, legacies. We're talking about like literally generational change because of the work of God in and through Avant Life. God, would that be what happens? That there be new lineage of faith because a person got invited to Squamish, to church, and all of a sudden they walked into the room and felt God's presence and they realized the emptiness, the God-sized hole in their heart was only designed and meant to be filled by the spirit of a loving father. Would that be what we see? Not just in our church services, but in every sphere and area of influence in our lives. So I'm going to invite you to stand up where you're at. The team's going to lead us in another song. But my challenge to you, not just tonight, but moving forward, but it has real practical application to this moment, is that as the team leads us in this next song, is to just ask God to begin to give you dreams and visions, to have anticipation and faith and expectation for what it is that he'd love to do in and through you. Because as much as there is a communal part in all of this, there's also a personal invitation that we'd actually begin to see offices and homes and living rooms and sports teams radically change because of your influence and presence. It's more than just a church function. This is important. This is a must. This is a need. God moves in and through the space. Absolutely. But it's so much more than that. There's people in your lives that God has placed that no one else in this room has access to has influence over, that you're called to reach, to love, to be present for, to pray for, to invite, to live a life of hospitality towards a posture of love and grace. So Jesus, before we step into this time of worship through music, God, I just ask that even in this moment, you'd begin to invade our imagination and our thoughts for what it is that you'd love to do. I pray that you'd give us courage and strength, renew hope in places and people perhaps we've wanted and been tempted to give up on those situations and people that feel so desolate, those areas in our lives, the family members, the friends, the co-workers that seem to have such a hostility, a defensive posture towards the things of you and your kingdom. God, would you renew our strength? Would you give us hope and peace? Would you give us creativity and boldness by your spirit to be active participants in building your kingdom?
hope you enjoyed this message. We would love you to subscribe to our weekly podcast. Other ways you can connect with Avant Life is through YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Or check out our website at avantlifechurch.com.